realize you're not supposed to do what we just did when things are streamed and when we typically follow a fairly crisp order of things. And the, the Lord is a God of order, but the Lord is also the God of spontaneity. It's not spontaneous with Him, it is with us. But He said, if you're born of the Spirit, said this to Nicodemus, Mr. Structure, Brother Structure. If, if you're born of the Spirit, Nicodemus, there will be a part of your life that will be like a leaf blown in the wind. You won't know where the wind is coming from, and you won't know where the wind is going. Then he says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And I just I appreciate the ladies that started one here. We had a, somebody back here started starting a song all the way in the very back. And we joined in, and we sang together. Now, in our new building in the new worship center we won't have to walk a hundred yards to get close we'll be we'll be close and one of the things that I'm looking forward to in that is the is the sound of the congregation of God's people filling the room with our sound and we are we are helped in our worship and led by some very very gifted musicians and we want them to continue to do what they do it's just that where we can add our voices to theirs and we can follow the prompting of the Spirit as we, as we worship. Now, some of you wondered about what in the world was going on at Asbury. How many of you have heard that name, Asbury, in the last, the last two or three weeks? Most everybody has. Well, you know what was going on in those meetings? There was a small group of students that evidently decided that they they wanted to just stay after a chapel service on a Wednesday morning and they wanted to linger in the place of worship nobody had an order of what songs they were going to sing they didn't even have words up on a screen they, they may not have even had an instrument but there was something about a work in their hearts to want to praise the name of Jesus and to love him out loud. And so they did that. <laughs> and then, then they kept doing that. And then they kept on, kept on doing that. And after a while, some more folks joined. It went from maybe eight or 10 students to 50. And then it went all the way up to about 50,000 people coming up into that little, come into that little Kentucky town where that university has maybe two or 3,000 students in it. And it was, it was an extended multi-day worship service. Worship service. Just, just somewhat like what we just did. <laughs> Waiting for the next song to start. Somebody starts it, and then everybody else begins to sing along with them. And the sense of the Lord's presence, folks, Jillian already mentioned this, and it, it's, it's a truth. It's a truth. It is a truth. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord moves in. Are you trying to find God? God, where are you? Where? I, don't, I don't feel your presence. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. When we make the choice to not let our circumstances or people's attitudes determine what comes out of our mouths, and we make the choice, we resolve, I'm going to praise you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to honor you, Father. 
going to bless you, Holy Spirit. There's something about that as we say that, it is an invitation for the Lord to make his presence known. You say, well, I'll praise him when I feel him. What if you praise him until you feel him? But what if it's, what if it's that? And it's one of those wonderful things, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, locked up in the jailhouse, middle of the night, Philippi. What did they start doing, just the two of them? They started singing praises and <laughs> in the pitch dark, no, no PowerPoint, no, 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 nobody else, just the two of them in the dark singing the praises. Well, then what happened? I love it when, when my, 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 my black preacher friends get to preaching on that subject. And I, one of these days, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get the gift of a black preacher. One of these days. <laughs> one of these days. You're going to know me in heaven because you're going to say, that guy I thought he was white. But listen to him preaching like that. That's going to be me on the street corner, Glory Avenue and Hallelujah Boulevard. I'll, I'll meet you there one day. But they, they get to talking about how, the, how the, they got to singing. Paul and Silas got to singing, and they got to patting their foot, and they got to clapping. And after a while, the angels in heaven heard them singing down there, and they started patting their foot, and they started patting. And then all of a sudden, the walls in the jail started, started shaking and rolling and moving, and things just came loose. Now, you can't find that anywhere in the Scripture. But it's just, it's just a great thing to think about, that some way or another, their praises made news in heaven, and the Lord sent an earthquake, and it set all of those literal captives free, and the shackles came off of their hands, and as a result of that, that Philipp, Philippi jailer and his whole family came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. It was the result of a worship service. When we start speaking about the power in praise, that is an absolute truth. The atmosphere around the throne in heaven is the same. It's spoken of the same in Isaiah chapter 6 and in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. The song is the same thing. The, the, the angelic beings around the throne are still singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of power. Holy, holy. They sing it incessantly around the throne. It's the atmosphere of the throne room. You want to bring the atmosphere of the throne room to your heart, to your life, to your situation. Shut up the complaining, shut up the whining, end the blaming, and just start praising him and thanking him and blessing him. He's promised that he causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and to those of us who are called according to his purpose. That even the things that come our way that can hurt and bog us down and cause us to wonder what in the world is going on, the Lord has promised, he has said, I am strong enough. You will see it. I'm strong enough. My power is great enough to cause even that thing that has been hard for you to take, I'll cause it to work together for good in your life. I'm not causing it to come, but when it comes, I'm going to turn it for good. Amen. So we thank him and we praise him. I, I want to give you quickly this morning, if I could, just a few statements regarding a personal revival. We've, we've watched those uh, video clips, and maybe you've read some reports of ones who actually have been to the meetings uh, there at Asbury, and, and you, you, you see it's not just a college student thing. There are other folks from different ages and different parts of the country showing up. One of the things that's so impressive about it is that nobody wants to leave. Once they get there, nobody wants to leave. 
It's, it, it's as if the sense of the presence of Jesus, so clear, so strong, so warm, so healing, that once you get there, you don't ever, you don't want to leave. Have to go back to work, have to live, all of that. So what, what is revival? What, what is a revival? Let me, let me give you a definition that I think is fairly comprehensive. It's not going to cover all the, all the minor points, but, but write this one down somewhere or hold it in your mind. Revival is a fresh sense of the presence of Jesus filling and owning my heart and life. A revival is a fresh sense of the presence of Jesus. It's not the songs, it's not the preacher, it's not the building. It's a fresh sense of the presence of Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. A fresh sense of the presence of Jesus filling and owning my heart, and my life. Revival comes from a Latin word. You've got a preposition R-E, and you've got the vive at the second part of that compound word. Vive is a Latin word taken from a Latin word that means to live, to live, to live. R-E, or re, again, to live again, to live again, meaning You've been alive. You know what life is. This is about restoring life. This is about bringing back, in a sense, life again. You, you can't have a revival unless you've been vived the first time. All right? So a revival is about the church. It's about folks who have come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord and been brought out of darkness into light. Our spirits have been brought into life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2. But the Spirit has done His work of quickening us, of bringing us to life. And so we, we are brought to spiritual life. But as happened in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had gone through a season of interrogation from the same ones who put Jesus to death in a human sense, they were the Jewish leaders, and they stood before them. They were threatened, Peter and John, threatened by the same ones. And, and it says when they were finally released, they went and found their own brethren, the, the rest of the apostles, and perhaps some of the church. And they, they found themselves in, in the place of prayer. And they, they were asking the Lord, Lord, will you give us power? Will you give us fresh power that we may speak boldly in your name and that your, your name would be proclaimed and, and signs and wonders would take place through the speaking of your name? They needed to be revived. Peter and John needed to be revived. They had received the Holy Spirit in power on the day of Pentecost, but that was chapter 2. By chapter 4, they're needing, they're needing another reviving. Folks, listen. The story of your life, and in many ways, the story of the true church of Jesus across the centuries has been a story of God bringing fresh revival, fresh life back into a heart and into a life. Many of you can track your spiritual journey, your spiritual uh, pilgrimage by the times when the Lord just met with you 
and you, you came to sense his presence and, and there was a breaking off of some chains that may have bound you. There, there was the ending of some shame. There was the sense of, of, of his forgiveness and freedom coming. There came even to be a sense of fresh power in the sense that you realized that you had some abilities spiritually that you didn't even know you had before. And you didn't get them from your earthly parents, but the Lord by his spirit gifted you in particular ways. And from that time, maybe on, you've tried to operate in the use of that, those spiritual gifts and abilities as, as best you can. Our lives can be marked, can be charted by the seasons of revival coming to our lives. Now, I'm, I know I may be talking to some folks that say, well, I don't know that I've ever had anything good happen to me since the time I got wet in a Baptist church way back yonder. All right, I, I, don't know that, I don't know that anything really major has happened to me since the time that I gave my heart to the Lord. Well, here's, here's the good news today. Here's the good news. If you're thirsty, the Lord wants you to know that he can fill your thirst, and more than just fill your thirst, he can cause something by his Spirit begin to go off on the inside of you that he calls rivers of living water that will come out of formerly thirsty people and will begin to flow through them not only to nourish, satisfy their own thirst, but it's the word that Jesus uses in John 7 that speaks of the ability to impart life. Not just to give life to the person who drinks it, but as the river of life flows through, it's the impartation. Have you ever known anybody like that? That when they just walk in the room or you get a phone call from them or you have time with them, it just seems like there is just life coming out of them, into you. And, and you're drawn to them because they're not a parasite sucking life out of you. You're drawn to them because they seem to have the ability to impart life to you. Where do you reckon they get that? Let me show you. John chapter 7. Would you find John chapter 7 in these words of Jesus, verse 37. John 7, verse 37. Now, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, Think about the impact of those words. He wasn't sitting in the usual position of a rabbi or a teacher. He stood and he cried out, saying, If any man is thirsty, if anybody is thirsty, that's that generic word, term for man, mankind. If any person, male or female, is, is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And the, the literal rendering there is, let him come and keep coming. Let her come and keep coming and drink and keep drinking. It is not a one time and that's it. It is a life of coming and a life of drinking. Let me qualify what we're drinking. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, Jesus said, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet 
glorified. That was the case prior to Pentecost. Jesus was alive from the dead. He walked among his people for 40 days. He taught them. But he said to them, don't leave Jerusalem yet. You've got my information. You've got the plan. You don't have the power. You don't have the power to implement the plan. But the day will come when you will receive power, and it will be the day when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon you. The Holy Spirit would be the spirit of the exalted Jesus. That's what happened from the time he was raised and all the apostles, the, the, the people saw him taken up into the clouds in Acts, in Acts 1. And then when the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, that something happened in heaven that was not known on earth. It was not seen on earth. And what happened was the Father gave the Son the name that is above every other name, the name Jesus positioned him at the place of authority over every other realm and form of earthly and unearthly, visible and invisible authority. So when Jesus poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, it was not the spirit of the crucified Jesus. It was not the spirit of the human Jesus. It was the spirit of the exalted Jesus. It would be his power coming to move into the chests of people that would enable them, Peter, John, and the rest of them, who had been cowered in fear, now to recognize, wait a minute, the king of all kings lives inside me. The one who owns everything and is in, ultimately in charge of it, that everything answers to, is inside me. I fear no man because I have surrendered my life to him. I go forward without, ever, without any hesitation, without any, without any quitting, because it is the spirit of Jesus, the exalted Jesus who lives inside me. Now, folks, what happened in Acts chapter 2 to them is exactly what the Lord desires to happen inside you and inside me all these centuries later. That is the genius of the church. That is the mystery of the church, Christ in you, it is your hope of glory. So when in these seasons of life being restored, it's way more than the sentimental effect of music upon a soul. It's way, way more than just rehearsing the things that have happened before with the idea that a sweet memory has the strength to change things in the present. No. What revival today is, that it is a fresh outpouring of the life, the ancient life of the Lord Jesus Christ that has always come upon his people, not only at the time of conversion, but at the time when they're thirsty. Thirsty meaning I'm lonely. Thirsty meaning I'm guilty. Thirsty meaning I'm tired. Thirsty meaning I'm confused. Whatever you're, whatever creates a thirst in your heart, it's a good thing when it drives you, takes you to Jesus. Because it is from that place, from him, from the sense of his presence, that life comes and the revival that we need flows. Let me give you these, these few things. 
you need your own Asbury today, keep this in mind. When Jesus says in Luke 7.37, or excuse me, John 7.37, if any man is thirsty, any person is thirsty, he doesn't say if any city is thirsty, or if any denomination is thirsty, or church group is thirsty. He, he, he speaks in the singular. If any person is thirsty. I, I'm telling you, I hear this stuff sometimes, I don't know where these folks get it. Well, there's not going to be revival, not going to be revival until all the preachers get together and get to praying together. And you know, when, when we see a Catholic, you know, bishop praying with, a, with an Anglican, you know, which they used to be war. That's the Church of England split. Right? When we see that happen, when we see Pentecostals and, and main lines, and all, you know, that's a great thing. Uh, you know, that, that would be a good thing. That would mean the body of Christ coming together in a sense. But nowhere in the Word does it say that you have to wait for your heart to get revived and freshly filled until a couple of preachers get together and they get their acts together. If any man is thirsty, if any person, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are, are there things that have created a thirst in your heart? That, that first thing is let your thirst take you to Jesus. Let your thirst take you to Jesus. In, instead of things, people, things in this life, you say, well, where is he? You look for him and he'll show up. You say, I don't understand that. Try it. Lord, Jesus, not God in general, but you, Jesus, in particular, I am thirsty. And your word said that if I would come to you, if I would seek you, I'd keep seeking you, and I would desire to drink from you, then, then you would make your presence known to me. That's, I believe, what was going on as that group of eight or ten college students just, just started seeing whatever the cause of the thirst was, some say, well, they were just trying to get out of chemistry. You know? they, just, they just didn't want to go back to that archaeology class, or that, 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 and you know, they called it a revival. <laughs> you know, give them a break, give them a break. There might have been some of that working, but they wouldn't have stayed for 40 hours or 50 hours straight if it had just been a, a, a scheme to get out of a class. Somehow there was working in their hearts like we could feel in our simple time this, this morning. This is good. This is good hearing the voices of the Lord's people. This is good being able to declare out loud where the darkness can be even threatened by what we're saying. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Uh, you, your goodness, because it's filled with mercy, is running after me. I'm going to stop and let it catch up. I need your goodness and I need your mercy something amazing about that. So let, you know, the, fir the first part of this is let whatever your thirst is take you to Jesus. Secondly, linger, linger with praises. Linger with praises. What do you mean? The linger part is he says, you seek me, you keep on seeking me, you, you, you come, and you keep coming, you drink, and you keep drinking. That, that is the process of time. I believe one of the things the Lord is saying to the American church, to Alamo City, and that's part of why I had to do this this morning. I'm coming, 
make room. I'm coming. Make room for me. See, one of our things in the church business is that we get everything crisply, crisply, crisply planned, and we, we, and we pray about it, and we hope the Lord's going to bless it. And so many times he, he does, but, but well, there are times when, he, when he's saying, you, you make room for me. I, 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 told, I, I told Jillian and Josh as we were kind of walking through this last part of things, I said, I, I, got, a, I, I got something I can say. I've got a sermon, but, but I may never get to it. We, we, may, never, we never get, may never get to it because the more important thing is it's the sense of his presence. It's not preaching, it's his presence. It's not, it's not preachers, it's his presence. You know? I know somebody was saying, amen, amen. <laughs> he finally got that. You know, I, I do, I get it, I get it. But some of you on the hand got a little nervous, didn't you? Just a minute ago when I said, I said, Joshua, just let's let the keyboard lay silent. He's right there. He's back. He's back. Josh is back. Jillian, let's hold up. And we just went silent, and I said, somebody's got a song in here. You start it, and we'll catch up. You start, and we'll sing. To me, folks, that, that is about, in a sense, it's not the conclusive way of describing it, but, but it, it, is, it is a sense of making room for him. In the agenda of your day, in the agenda of your evening, you know, we say this, do you realize that Washington is still going to go on being Washington whether or not you keep up with everything they're doing or not? That, that actually we can vacate the screen, we add, actually can't walk away from social media and the world will go right on? But sometimes we get that all twisted around. I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. And then we say, God, I need your revival. But we're stuffing ourselves with all of this other stuff that doesn't have the power to do anything except parasite off of us. Linger, linger, linger with praise, with praise. Linger with praise. The Lord inhabits the praises of his people. The Lord sits enthroned, upon, sits enthroned upon shouts of praise. You know, I, I, I say to you, and, and my, I, I have the most wonderful wife that the Lord could ever give a sinner like me, that she allows me to make a break from Bear County for about 24 hours most every week of the year. So I can just be alone with the Lord. And so I'm driving down 35, and I'm, I end up at some, in, in, in some ranch country down in the middle of nowhere where she will not go with me because she says it's so ugly. It's ugly. So, I, 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 so, so she, she I, we get that. We're at peace. We're at peace with that. But I'm telling you, if you drove by sometime, that silver tundra headed south, on 35, or you passed it coming back the other way. You, you, and and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to set myself up as some, as some epitome of praise. I'm just telling you, I can't help it sometimes. I got my knee doing the scaring wheel. And I got to have both hands up. Not for long, not for long. Don't, don't call a DPS on me, but there for a second. I can't handle it. Because I know that something happens when these lips declare his mighty name, 
when these lips will say, I enforce the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ over everything opposing, over everything deteriorating, over everything coming against that which God's plan is for Alamo City, for our lives, for our family, and so forth. Linger, linger with praises. Now, I don't want a man in here to say, well, I'm, 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 not, I'm not a woman, so I don't do that. Learn it! You, when the Kansas City Chiefs, if you were a Chief fan, and they ended up winning that game or what, all these things, don't, don't tell me you sit there with your hands underneath your bottom and you're just, you're just going to sleep. There is, we are made to rejoice. We are made to shout victory. We are made to declare. Linger with praises. Number three, confess what he shows. Confess what he shows and turn from it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. 1 John 1, 9. Call it what he calls it. Quit calling it an affair. Quit calling it that. It's one of the top ten. Adultery. It's adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's not an affair. It's adultery. Sleeping with another man's wife or another woman's husband. Okay? And when you get in the presence of the Lord, it's not as if he, 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 he comes to condemn and beat us down. He already knows what he's got when he got you and me. And it's the goodness and kindness of the Lord that leads a person to repentance. That I can come to him and own up, own up to it. Believing and understanding that he already died on the cross to pay for that sin. That there is kindness and mercy on the heart toward the sinner. One of the greatest preachers who ever lived, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, of the 1850s up through about the 1890s. He, 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 he just a godly man, maybe in the same category as an apostle Paul. I don't know, just a, an amazing preacher and man of God. Impacted London and the surrounding area for all those decades. This is what he said. He said, the time that I feel the closest to my Savior are the times when I'm needing to bow before him and confess my sins to him. You're not going to come to a God who is so ticked at you, so disappointed in you, that every time your name comes up, he just wants to leave the room. But when it settles into your heart, he's the shepherd, he's the shepherd, he's the shepherd who loves his sheep. Ninety-nine are fine, and in the fold, that one that just went off and left, he was a sheep. It was a sheep. It was a Jesus sheep. But the Jesus sheep went astray. So what did the shepherd do? Go out there with a choke collar, go out there with something to, when you found that sheep, the idea, the pictures, the old paintings of this, it's the picture of the good shepherd. What kind of sheep is he holding? He's holding the one that left everybody, that wandered off, but he didn't have him in a choke hold. You, you couldn't see wounds where he had beaten the sheep. He picked the sheep up. He knows if he's going to bring you back, he's got to bring you back. When that settles in with the sense of his presence working, 
it's so much easier and so much more of a freedom to come to him. Lord, this is what I did. This is what I said. It was wrong. I agree with you about what it is. And I'm looking to you to forgive me. I put my trust in Jesus Christ's death for that sin, that sin. Jesus doesn't have to go to the cross and die again. He already knows the sins of the whole world. Confess what he shows. Confess what he shows and turn away from it. Then where there is forgiveness, where there comes to be the sense of his presence, you receive the promise of his spirit to fill you all over again. You say, well, I don't know if I don't know that I've ever been knocked out. I don't know that I've ever been that I've ever been just been stone cold out of, out, like some people talk about, slain in the spirit. I don't know that I've ever happened. I, I don't know that I've ever felt anything physically. I don't know that I've ever spoken a language I didn't know or understand. All of the above, everything I just mentioned, God can do. God can do it again. He's done it before. He can do it again. But He doesn't have to ever repeat it again with you or with me. But when we accept the promise of the Father that He desires to and He wants to and He makes available to us the filling of our hearts with the power of His Spirit, He will do it. I've said this a hundred times. The promise of the Father that Jesus references in Acts 1 is not the cross. It's not the blood of forgiveness. It's not the empty tomb. All of those were in the past when Jesus said, you're going to receive the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? Pentecostal power. It was that would be that the exalted Jesus would pour out from his, that which had been given to him, upon those who would believe in him, his power. His power. It's not about grunting. It's not about self-flagellation. It's not about striving. Oh, God, oh, God, what I need to do. I feel like more than anything else, it's just come to the place that, Father, you know that if I don't get to help her, I'm going to be in a world of hurt. You know that unless there's strength put in me that I don't have, I'll be back in the same spot as I was. So, Lord, I say to you, you are a good father. I say to you, Father, you can't lie. I say to you, Lord, that when you make a promise, you intend to keep it. And therefore, I today, forgiven, cleansed as best I know, I receive your promise to fill me with power by your Holy Spirit in my life. Now, if somebody went to sleep on me and you never got to that last one, You're going to find yourself bumping your head up against one wall after another wall and frustrated like crazy about how is all this supposed to work. It's never going to be that you on your own can learn enough scripture, can have enough Christian friends, can read enough Christian literature, and watch enough Christian video such that you will not need the empowering of the spirit of the exalted Jesus in your chest and in your mind to change us and to keep us changed.
That's why Paul will say, Ephesians 5.18, don't, don't get drunk with wine, where's an excess? But you be filled with the Holy Spirit. The literal rendering of that is, it's in the imperative mood. I command you on the Lord's behalf. I command you. It's passive to allow yourself. You can't produce this filling. It's something that has to be done to you. I command you to allow yourselves to be filled with the Spirit, to allow yourselves continuously to be filled. It's a present tense with a passive impact, with an imperative voice to it all. I command you to allow yourselves to continuously be allowing yourselves to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. That's why some folks, I mentioned them earlier, and we're about done. There's some folks, when they walk into your presence, you feel life coming off of them. You're drawn to them because you have the sense that there's something that they're able to give to you that imparts life within you instead of the, the, the myriad of other folks that are parasites that suck the life out of you. The heart of the Lord is that we would live our lives in perpetual, daily, nightly revival in our hearts that I'm continuously taking my thirst to Him as I'm sending my thirst, focusing my thirst upon Him, drinking of Him, then something happens that He begins to release from within me these rivers of living water. So that not only are you refreshed, but you just give off life wherever you go. I bet you could name some folks like that. that, that she, she just gives off life wherever she goes. You know why? Because the rivers of living water are flowing through her, flowing through him, because she's drinking from Jesus. She's taking her thirst to Jesus. And more than likely, they're people of praise. They're, 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 they're continuous in, in their praise. They linger. They linger. They linger. I remember our pastor years ago, Shirley and I, the, one of the two preachers had married us. We had two of them. They thought we needed a double whammy knot, I guess, for our marriage, and they were right, you know. But he said, he wrote on prayer, John Bassanio was his name in First Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, and he said, I have found that if I will give to the Lord, if I will linger before the Lord, and he would say just 30 minutes to start the day. But that's his time with me. I can get way more done in the course of the day than if I had decided I'm too busy to linger before him at all. Try it. He's not the only one to give that testimony. Linger in his presence. Lord, we thank you for what you've done today, what you are doing, what you're stirring in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you will, you will take that, this to that further level within us. That a revived heart is not intended just for Kentucky and Asbury. A revived heart is not waiting on 
thousands more to repent and get right with God and something exponential happen. But a personal Asbury is as close as John 7, 37 and 38 to our heart. Cause it to be the knee-jerk position that we take our thirst straight to you. That we linger in the place of your presence where, where, where you are, where you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, that we would confess, we would call it what you call it and turn away from it by the power of your spirit, by the forgiveness of your blood. And then Lord, that we would receive, we would receive from our Father the filling of your spirit the filling of your spirit to own us, to fill us in all the categories of our lives, that you may be praised, that you may be honored, that we may live free and abundantly by your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? I can tell you right now, you have not beat the Methodists to the in and out Burger down the street. They're already there. So just relax. <laughs> it's okay. We'll, we'll be fine. Thank you for being patient with us this morning. I believe he's saying this to us. I'm coming. Make room. I'm coming. Make room for me can it be that one believer can just be filled up to overflowing with a sense of the Lord's presence and another one is like sound asleep? This one made room. This one just kept on trucking. Let's don't be this one. Let's be this one. Okay. All right. We will pray with you. Prayer partners, join me here, please. What are you doing, Larry? Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. This is something you need to do, folks. This next Friday night, all of the Alamo City family and your friends, something going on downtown, March the 3rd, Friday night, 7 p.m., Weston Center Courtyard. That's 112 East Pecan Street. It is, it is called a one voice, one heart, one God worship event. The leaders have asked me to come with something to bring, something to share. <laughs> it's a combination of these young lions with some of us older goats. I guess that's what we are. But there's a, there's a sense that there's supposed to be in the plan of God, a bridging of that gap. It's going to be worship. We'll be praying. They're gonna, we've got to have a horse trough down there like we had on the streets to baptize if folks want to get baptized right there in the middle of San Antonio. I'm so excited about it, I can't hardly sleep. And I, they're going to give me just a few minutes, but, but oh my goodness. Well, there could be a coming together of all different kinds of denominations and backgrounds. There's a bunch of these young worship leaders that are positioned around the city, but their heart for the Lord and heart for revival. And, and this, this is how the little thing ends. We're going, if you should have gotten this. If you're on our Alamo City email list, you should have gotten it. Go back and check it. We'll try to, Christian, let's resend that thing, okay? 
Here, here's, here's one little paragraph. Revival and awakening seem so close you can almost touch them. The signs are everywhere and hearts are longing for more than just hearing about our great God. There is a deep desire to experience Him firsthand. God has plans for San Antonio and I want to see you down there. I'm looking, looking forward to it. 7 o'clock this coming Friday, March the 3rd, and uh, we'll, we'll get you that information. It's, it's the Weston Center Courtyard on Pecan Street. Middle of downtown. Middle of downtown. Isn't that good? Oh, goodness. So be there to help us do whatever it is the Lord will lead us in doing. Can I ask you, I want to ask you to do something. We haven't done this in a while. Would you all step across the aisles? Grab a hold of a hand. I know we're hoping COVID is way back in the rearview mirror. We couldn't do this for a while. Join hands, and if there's somebody across the aisle, well, let's just stretch out. Just stretch out. You may not know them. They may want to take you to lunch. You've been such a good find for them, or you may want to take them. The body of Christ, the body of Christ we are. Not perfect, but forgiven. Amen. Amen. Forgiven. And we know where our strength comes from. Lord, will you bless your people. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, in the name of his Son, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come this way if we can pray with you. Otherwise, just hug a few necks and, and, and we'll see you next time. Hopefully, this coming Friday night downtown would be great. Streaming family, bless you for being here with us and thank you for your prayers, your support. Pastor Walker at AlamoCity.org with a little paragraph of how we can pray for you, how the Lord's working in your life that we can rejoice with you in. Receive Jesus. Receive Jesus if you have never done that as your Savior right where you are. He will hear. He is where you are, knocking on the door of your heart. Let him in. Let him in. You'll never regret it. God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you next time.